This episode is once again sponsored by Naughty Night. Owned and operated by Brooke Taylor, a body positive black queen who believes that everybody deserves a great orgasm. Naughty Nights leaves no orgasm unfulfilled, y'all. When I was shopping, I found vibrators, bondage sets, butt plugs, enhancement pills, stripper poles, and of course, lingerie for sizes up to 4X. The remote control panties that I told you guys about last episode are hella fun and hella discreet. I like a little play when I'm in public, you know what I'm saying? It's like an extended foreplay session while you're grocery shopping or like out celebrating. It's real, it's real, real freaky. I like that. On top of that, I also received a sample of the Pink Pussycat Central Enhancement Pills. This pill is said to give a greater, more explosive orgasm, which nobody in their right mind is ever going to turn that down. So shop with Naughty Nights at their website, www.naughtynightsboutique.com. And don't forget to follow them on Instagram at Naughty Nights 704. Welcome back to another episode of the Queen X Podcast, the podcast where we discuss ways to live a life with an ash-free mindset, y'all. So we are back again, continuing our series on sensuality versus sexuality. Last episode, we had Nisi from Big Black Girl, Small Kink World on the podcast, and y'all turned up on that episode. It was lit. I got so many comments and emails and DMs about the episode and just people relating um, to the things that Nisi was talking about. So I'm glad that you guys are enjoying this series. I um, know that that episode probably shocked some of y'all because we were embracing our sexual energy and our sensual energy, our right to say yes and our right to say no. Um, So it was a lot going on and it was a lot of fun. That was probably one of the funnest episodes that I've had just because it was so liberating and free and like freedom is literally how I get my rocks off. I love anything and all things that represent a sense of freedom, whether it is financial freedom, sexual freedom, um, emotional freedom, all of that, all that jazz. So keeping right on with the theme, this week I have my girl, uh, Sonia K. Phillips. She's on the podcast. She has her own podcast. She's a seamstress. She's an ex-stripper. She is a, um, a crown pageant queen. Um, Sonia is a ball of energy. So much fun. She was such a delight. Not only did we host, did we do this podcast episode together, but um, after I had reached out to her about being on the podcast, me and Sonia just became friends. She hits me up. We conversate. I helped her get her podcast started. Um, So you guys can definitely go and check out the description. In the description, there's going to be a link to her podcast. And I want you guys to go over there and enjoy it. She is the sexy unicorn. She represents and embodies all things sexy, friend, friendly, flirty. Like Sonia is just, she's feminine energy at its peak um, because she is just very proud of who she is, very confident in who she is. And that's what feminine energy is all about. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with being sexy or being, um, you know, just this super girly, frilly dresses. It ain't about that. Sonia makes a very plain in this interview that sexy is a state of mind. When she says that, you really get and understand what she means by it being a state of mind. But you'll understand more whenever you hear her story. So sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Queen X Podcast. Hi, Sonia. 
So I wanted to say, first of all, Sonia, thank you for hopping on and doing this interview and introducing yourself to the Queen X tribe. I never know what it's going to be like when I just hop in somebody's DMs and ask them, you know, if they want to be a part of an interview segment with uh, Queen X. And so I love the fact that you are so open to it. And we've spent time over the last month just kind of getting to know each other and vibing together. And so I wanted to say thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule for us. Well, you are so welcome, and I just absolutely love your podcast. I've been binge listening, and I'm just so uh, grateful to be a part of it. So thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. So before we hop into the whole interview process, go ahead and introduce yourself to the Royal Tribe. Let them know who you are and what specifically that you do. Okay, well, my name is Sonia Z. Phillips, and I am a native of Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I am the owner and fashion designer for Stretch Couture. I make custom clothing and costumes, and I also teach uh, sewing lessons, and um, I just launched my own podcast. Woohoo! Yes, congratulations on that. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm already subscribed, waiting patiently for episodes to drop. I cannot wait. Yes, well, I just, I don't know if I can just thank you for all your help and guidance to get me to this point to ready to launch. And so you will be so super proud of me. I actually um, edited and added music to my uh, first interview that I did uh, the other day. So I'm getting it ready. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. So Royal Tribe, y'all keep a lookout because I will be dropping links. And of course, on the Instagram page, I'm going to be posting so y'all can see, y'all can all listen with me whenever we're listening to Sonia's, um, her, her new podcast. So hopping right into the interview. Can you tell me from your perspective as an entrepreneur, black woman, as a sexually liberated black woman, what does self-care look like for you? Actually, recently, self-care looks like setting boundaries and saying no, not just to people, but to myself. Just slowing okay. down and taking time for me. Yes. Okay, so that's super interesting. I've never heard you're the first person that I've talked to that has expressed saying no to yourself. What what do you have to tell yourself no on? Because I'm a busybody and I love being everywhere all the time, doing everything. And right now, if you were to look at my calendar, it's not one piece of white space until like, I think November 2nd, and then I'm full all the way up to like Christmas, <laughs> you know? So I'm slowly kind of going back through looking at hey is this a priority you know do i really need to be at this event you know is it really serving me you know and the pandemic slowed things down a lot but for me i never stopped because of my industry as a seamstress i was in even more demand you know and once people started zooming before i knew it i was being invited to zooms like three or four Zooms a day, and I just had to say no. It just cut back and just focus on me uh, and my business and me as my own um, self. You know, like, I have, like, a ton of online courses that I haven't had a chance to get to and unfinished projects for myself that I haven't gotten a chance to do. And so uh, what I found is I had to really sit down you know, take time to plan, take time to say, hey, how is this, you know, event or Zoom or whatever thing, how is this thing serving me? If it's really not, as much as I might like to attend it, you know, I had to just take time to just say no. Wow. So whenever you put up those boundaries and you say no, have you had any, um, what's the worst thing that's happened? Have you had any backlash from setting boundaries? Yes, um, like even with um, one of the things I get a lot of uh, problems with is like uh, last minute clients. Somebody will wait to last minute. Oh, I have this dress and I have this dinner tomorrow. Um, I need it done. And I'm but I've already set up time 
for maybe, you know, to do something with myself or to complete something. And I have to really make a choice and say, hey, like, you know, one of the things I thank you again, you introduced me to Calendly. So I set up my calendar and I have set days where I meet with clients, where I do the sewing. Um, You know, I might switch people in here or there. And I can say that I've had clients to not respond very well when you tell them, no, your emergency is not my emergency. And, you know, I'm not available tomorrow. I'm not available to stay up all night to sew for you uh, because you waited till the day before your event to call me. I know that's right. And I mean, and that's the, the worst possible. I feel like sometimes we as Black women think that like the world is going to crumble if we don't do for other people. And so we put ourselves in these binds so that we can support other people, whether it be physically, emotionally, mm-hmm. sometimes even financially. And so I love that, you know, that you just expressed that the worst case scenario, somebody might be a little tiffed off, but they'll get over it. And then I can also just give one other example um, in my business. Um, at the beginning of this month, I had a fashion show that I did in Richmond, Virginia, and it was streamed, but it was taped. And so it was the show was on a Sunday, but on Saturday, I had a scheduled time to do a television show and be interviewed um, to showcase my brand. But... Uh, Richmond, Virginia is about two hours away from where I live. And um, that weekend, a family member passed, one of my great aunts, a matriarch of my family passed away. And so um, I had to decide, you know, do I want to stay and go to the funeral and be here with my family, even though I wasn't really close to her, but is it something about funerals and weddings and nobody's getting married anytime soon around here. So, I chose, I said, I would much rather spend this time, you know, being with my family and you forego this interview because Mm -hmm. there'll be other interviews, there'll be other fashion shows. And, you know, it was a a opportunity, but the fashion show was great. The next day I, I had an opportunity to say a few words about my brand that, you know, hopefully it streamed and people saw it and I, you know, they'll follow me. But I remember a time in my life that I would have said, well, hey, you know, I'm because I sent flowers and stuff too. I would have been like, well, hey, I sent flowers. I wasn't really that close to her. I'm going to go get this money. You know, I'm going to go up here and get right. this shine. But I realized that I'm at a place in life where it's not about the money. It's not about people seeing you. It's about the lives you touch. And it's about um, family is just really important to me. And um, I just had to make a choice. And I chose to be with my family. That's awesome. Yeah. Business will always be there, you know, but you do as business owners, we literally do have to just take a look at things and say, what is more important to me? Because before we were entrepreneurs, we were just people, you know, we were just women with families. Right. Okay. So let's jump into, let's get into some of the sexy questions. Okay. We're going to hop into some of the conversation. (laughs) That's what we came here for. If, if, if anybody knows Sonia personally, if you have been following her journey, if you have been engaging with any of the content I'm posting that has to do with her sexy sister circle, then you know she real sexy with it, okay? So, yes. so tell me, how does how does your sexual freedom, your sexual liberation play a part in your self-care and the self the self-esteem that you have currently well what i would say is that you know i think about beyonce's song i'm a grown woman and i just feel like you know i have just learned that it's about me it's about me sexually i have a choice to do what i want to do you know i work hard i pay my own bills, you know, I earn my own money, you know, but I'll take yours too if you try to give it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I really just um, realized that I don't have to prove myself to anyone. I don't need your validation. Your opinion of me is none of my business, you know, and I'm just gonna love me and do me. And if it means I want to 
be sexually free, then that's what I'm going to do. But I'm going to protect myself, though. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. So have you always had that mentality and that, that like, just that freedom and that self-esteem when it came to your relationship with sex? Not always, but as a young adult, I was 19 when I started uh, exotic dancing. And um, as a child, I was that person that was ashamed, like body image issues. I've always been fluffy, short, plus size. Um, And so I would change clothes, like during PE, I would go into the stall and change versus change in front of everyone. I'll say probably middle school, maybe by high school, I was a cheerleader. So by that point, I was a little bit more comfortable, you know, being in my bra and panties and stuff, you know, with the other girls. But uh, when I was 19, I started dancing and it was just really the shift for me. I remember kind of like in Players Club, uh, a young lady came and I I worked at a shoe store and um, a young lady came in and she was saying that I had a nice body and I could make all this money working at the club and she was Caucasian and I was just like oh girl no you know I'm too big for those you know white guys and she said no I work at a black club because she was curvy like a sister but you know she was white and she's like no girl I work at a black club you should uh come by and I'm sure you could make lots of money so one day I um had a little time before I had to be at work so I stopped in and I mean I was all covered up big grandma panties white (laughs) pantyhose I had a, a blue leather skirt, a, a blouse that had the bow you tie up in the front around the neck, and a tapestry vest. I will never forget. I had on all these clothes. You hear me? And it was like about 12, and the club opened about 12.30, and I didn't have to be to work till like 1. But the manager, uh, I told him I was interested in um, being an exotic dancer. I heard I could make some money. And he was like, okay, go up on stage. And he was like, okay, pull up your skirt. And I was like, what? No. He was like, uh, you want to work at a strip club, but you don't want to pull up your skirt. And then I was like, okay. He's like, you got drawers on, don't you? And I was like, yeah. You know, it was just so ratchet. I was like, yes. He's like, well, pull up your skirt. So then I pulled up. He's like, okay, turn around. And I, and I did. He's like, okay, you hired. <laughs> that was it. That was my interview, right? And so then he said, have you ever seen an exotic dancer in real life? Have you ever seen a stripper? I was like, on TV. He's like, no, in real life. I was like, no. He was like, well, go back there and talk to one of my best girls, Bubblegum. She'll give you the ropes, you know? And she mm-hmm. sold me a, a one of her costumes for like $25. And, you know, she kind of got me started. She was always nice to me. You know, she never was like one of those shady kind of like, you know, characters you see in the movie. She was just right. always really sweet. And um, so she kind of showed me my way, you know, but... um. I came back and did research for like a week straight. So I came, she told me she worked during the day. She took a break and she came back at night. And so for like a week straight, I came and I watched and I came and I watched. So finally I did the audition, the real audition, like the amateur night. I got there and I danced for about 15 minutes and made $147. And after that, I was hooked. So, you know, and that lifestyle ain't no privacy, ain't no... You know, and, and in Virginia, it's um, closed, so we don't get naked here. So it's like bikini, you know, like thongs, booty mm-hmm. shorts, you know, triangle top. During that time, during that era, when I was 19, um, it was like more um, laid back than it is now, but uh, it wasn't new. So when I came into the business, it was very structured. I worked at a club that had security. The uh, managers were very hands-on. We had monthly meetings. So it was very organized and clean and that kind of stuff. But uh, it really gave me a sense of like that ghetto celebrity type status. So I was constantly meeting guys and they had money. And I never really like sold myself, but I was doing it for free. You know what I'm saying? Because, hey, I, I like to, you know, I still like right. it. You know what I mean? And so I had like a different dude. I was making so much money, girl, I meet a new guy. I stay out all night. The next day I go to the mall. I, like, I take a shower at the hotel or whatever, go to the mall, get a whole new wig, outfit, get my nails done to match the outfit type stuff. So, oh, so you was just a so, whole yeah. So once I kind of stepped into that lifestyle, yeah, the whole new, I was a whole new person. So I really 
feel like that was the shift that really showed me the power of the P. You know what I'm saying? Like in that lifestyle, the women are in control. We get to say whether we want to dance for you or not. We get to say whether or not we want to date you or not. We get to say whether it's going to go down, you know, or not, you know. And so I really, really realized my power um, in that industry. You know, okay, so. wow. So would you would you say, um, I know that a lot of people assume that it is a very dangerous lifestyle and that there's a lot of, you know, um, just a lot of, I don't know, just negative connotations with people who have certain kinks or they're freaks or they're into this, they're into that, drugs and things like that. Would you, would you say that that is um, accurate or not so much? I would say it's definitely accurate, but just like people, people are different. And so my experience is different from say, maybe the girl next door, because I will say that I have, you know, a strong foundation in the church, you know, so I was raised as a Christian. And so for me, um, you know, I didn't even want to put my skirt up for this Mm -hmm. guy, you know, in my interview. And um, so I was very, very um, reserved when it came to certain things. And I was, you know, observant. Like it took a week for I, before I even started. You know, I went in and I did my research. You know, and so for me, I was that entertainer that this was during the time of smart beat. You know, it was before cell phones. This was the era of the pager. You know, so I had business cards. I had a pager, and because you know, girls talked, I realized that hey, it took me some time. Eventually, I started doing private parties. But I always would pay for a security guard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like one of the guys from the club. And, um, you know, I had guy friends that I weren't intimate, that I wasn't intimate with, but with uh, Navy guys that would moonlight as security or either guys from the club that would do parties. And I came up with my own system where what I would do is I'll give the guy my business card if he said he wanted to have a party. And I made it a rule never to do same night parties because most of the time the guys that want a party like after the club the same night you know what right. time it is so I kind of chose my clientele and by saying and vetted them by saying hey you know we can uh, meet at a Starbucks and you can pay you know half down during that time I was charging like 200 to do a party so I'm like you can give me $100 at the Starbucks and then you can pay me the other 100 once I arrive because I have to pay my security so then by me putting that out there they know that I'm not going to be some chick showing up by herself that you're going to run a train mm-hmm. on, you know? Like so I always make sure I have. Right. So I think because of the fact that I had both the common sense and the street sense, I always made sure that I took certain precautions, you know, with not going to parties by myself and not um, going to do parties with people I didn't know um, that might seem a little dangerous. And so most of my clientele would be older gentlemen, uh, retired gentlemen. Most of them would be married. And, you know, at the end of the day, because I carried myself a certain way, I got guys that really wanted somebody for a Super Bowl party or for a retirement party or a birthday. And of course, people were proposition, but, you know, I could decline and have a security, you know, be there with me so it wouldn't turn into an right, ugly situation. right, right. right. Okay, that's good. Way to way to handle your business smart, even at such a young age. Yeah, I um, I, I learned because I started traveling. You know, it was a process. You know, when I first started, um, you know, it took me time to even get new. Like when I first started doing private parties, I would only go topless and I wouldn't do lap dances. So it was kind of like gradually I got more comfortable in the business and then what ended up happening that really kind of broke my cherry is I did a party um, at one of the clubs, you know, after hours and I got completely nude. So, but it was with people that I knew. So that kind of, you know, made me more comfortable with say the whole body image mm-hmm. thing, you know, I'm still, even though I was staged, I was on stage and clothes, you know, but once I did that one party, and I really was just like butterball and everything was just hanging out. I just, everything just melted away. And at that point, I felt comfortable enough to start traveling. And I just would go out of town to places like DC and um, Pennsylvania. And um, I've been down to Atlanta and I would work in these clubs where you had to be totally new on the stage. But what I realized was the customer service part. And I had been in customer service 
most of my life since I was like maybe 14, you know, working under the table. So some of the skill set that I learned, like say in DC, they don't have chairs around the runway. The guys sit back, but you dance for them. And then when you come off, you walk around and you shake hands and you ask people, did they enjoy the show? And you play with your garter and you would make like a hundred bucks just from walking around thanking people for watching you, you know? And so I would take those uh, things back and I went to a club down south somewhere. And so I'm a little older. So some of the porn stars at the time were like Heather Hunter and Janet Jackme and they would sell pictures. Like they would have a Polaroid camera and you would take a snapshot with them and they would charge you like $25, $35 for a picture. So I went back to Virginia and I started like taking pictures in my sexy outfit, going to Kinko's, making these color copy calendars and stuff and selling them for like $10, $20. So even when I wasn't making money on stage, I was always, you know, entrepreneurial, you know, from a business. I looked mm-hmm. at it as a business and not as, you know, just a way to make money. Cause I, I've always been, you know, never really was into like drinking too much or drugs. I did have my first legal drink in the strip club, but I really was focused on the money and the business end of it, you know, and customer service is what I feel like made me successful in that mm-hmm. business. And so, okay. So talking about the business aspect of it, you now um, actually make clothes. You design the outfits for some of the strippers. Yes. So I, I tell people I found my gift um, when I was in the strip club because it's very expensive. You know, like when I first started out, like I said I bought an outfit used from another girl. And now that I'm older, you know, I worked in healthcare, So I think about, oh, man, I basically bought somebody else's underwear. <laughs> but you don't think about it like that. That's just a common practice within the club. You know, girls buy and sell outfits from each other all the time. They take them home, mm-hmm. wash them, of course, in hot water or whatever. But um, my very first outfit I purchased was $25 used, but a brand new outfit at that time, and this is like the 90s, was like $75, $80. Like, you know, maybe a top, a bottom, maybe like a skirt and a money bag or something. So um, I actually, my mom was staying with me at the time. She had gotten sick and she was bored because I was always gone. She asked me to buy a sewing machine. And um, so... I just started fixing stuff and then eventually I just started making some of my own costumes and realized that, hey, I could save a lot of money just making my own stuff. And so in the beginning, it was a little rough around the edges, but I didn't care, you know, because it was for me. And then I would just sell off my mistakes for like five or 10 bucks and the girls didn't care because it was 10 bucks (laughs) compared to 25 or 100, you know. I feel like I got to start. Yeah, you know, and so I would say about, um, this was like maybe 1995, just to kind of put a timestamp on. I started dancing in 94, I was 19, and then about 1995 is when I actually started making uh, the costumes and things. And then I went into the military, into the army in 96. But then when I got out in 98, I could not find a job. Like I worked in the transportation field, but I wasn't able to find a job. So I went back to the club, danced a little bit longer, but really um, started fine-tuning the sewing aspect of the costumes. And then about 2000 is when I kind of faded out and transitioned from um, dancing to completely selling costumes 100%. And so since then, I've just developed my skill and um, I got a business license in 2001. And, you know, it just grew. You know, I make a whole lot more. I tell people now I make everything from exotic dance to praise dance. So, <laughs> so yeah, but that's that. where I actually started doing. Yeah. Okay, so um, I know earlier, whenever we were talking, you had mentioned about you, did, you didn't at first want to um, get completely nude and get completely naked until you finally did it at a private party and you felt comfortable. So I was wondering if you could tell me just from your mindset, what you think that um, a lot of the shame that is centered and focused on the female body, like, why do you think that we have that? Where does that come from? Well, for me, I, you know, it all started as a child because I was always overweight, you know, so um, even at like when I was in middle school, I got joked because of, you know, my weight, my height, things of that nature. And then as um, 
you know, when I was in this business, um, I think a lot of it had to do with my weight. I was always a little bit bigger than some of the other girls. You know, even though I wasn't big, I was like maybe 137 pounds, 5'2". So I wasn't super big, but I was always mm-hmm. thick, you know. But I, it was always the smaller girls. But, you know, um, what is it? The colorism was a big part of it. Um, you know, light-skinned girls always, quote-unquote, make more money for whatever reason. Um, you know, it's just the things that people have told you in the outside world. So in my, in my mind, I'm thinking about my, my stomach hanging out and you're able to see my stretch marks and you're able to, you know, just, uh, just to see, just being completely vulnerable, Mm -hmm. you know, I just think that in say the regular world where I'm looking like I'm trying to date and whatever, I wasn't always the first choice, you know? And it seemed like the tables kind of turned once I became an exotic dancer. It's like, ooh, ah, you know? And so it was like, again, you know, it started to make me feel more powerful as far as a woman. And, um, you know, being in places in the past, you know, growing up in church, those type of things, you know, keep your legs crossed and your skirt down tight. Uh, messaging, you know, growing up in church and, you know, sex is dirty, you know, unless you're married. And I mean, I understand for those of your listeners that are believing, you know, getting married first before you having sex. I mean, yeah, that's what they say. But at the end of the day, you know, I like to try before I buy, you know. So, uh, but I think a lot of the messaging came from my mom being a single uh, parent. You know, I didn't want to get uh, pregnant, and even when I was having sex, I used to keep a t-shirt on. You know, when I, you know, was a teen out here doing it. So I just think that a lot of the body shaming came from messages from, say, your parents and from church and from guys that have so many choices. You know, not always being the first choice. It was just kind of different when I'm up on the stage and I'm like being the sex symbol and. They're like, take it off. We want to see you. We, you know, hey, show us, show us. You know, so it's like a complete, you know, what is it, 180 going from cover it up, cross it up, keep it closed to show us what you got, <laughs> right. you know, like, so. Yeah, came here to see that. Yes. So, so what I've noticed through doing a couple of interviews that I've done where I've been talking about sexual freedom, sexual liberation, um, women feeling comfortable exposing our bodies. I noticed a common theme where the way that we perceive the acceptance of our bodies comes from how other people have talked to us about our bodies our whole life. And so it's not even like it's something that we just naturally come to it literally is the influence of the outside world telling us how we should feel about our body you know based off of the color of our skin or because of our weight or because of stretch marks or not stretch marks different things like that Mm -hmm. and so just the fact that I don't know people it it will take some people till their mid-20s or their 30s before they actually figure out that my body is beautiful no matter what like my body the way that it exists and the way that it is now is fucking gorgeous and people want it people love it you know there's nothing gross about it right so okay oh go ahead I I was gonna add that I think that say from the time when I was dancing dancing or whatever to like now it's just been so many different mindset changes but if we just fast forward from then you know I definitely still went through a period of say going into a a real job and our society and having to suppress you know that sexual side of myself and the freak you know wanting to be sexy side of myself because I was say in leadership roles or um, working with children as a mentor or you know um, even with my business trying to transition from the exotic dancewear to mainstream clothing so for a lot of time I hid that part of my business and that part of my lifestyle 
And then just fast forward to now where I'm on my journey of self-love and I realized that, you know, the only validation that matters is that that I give myself. Um, and so um, some people, you know, have not gotten to that point where they are comfortable um, just making their own choices and not looking to uh, the media. And I heard something really interesting that said, you know, stop being a part of the consensus and um, listen to your senses. And a lot of times, just because everybody else is doing it doesn't make it right, and it doesn't make it right for you. Yes, say that. Snap, snap, snap. I love that. So that brings me to my final question that I wanted to ask you. Do you think that there will ever be a time when sexually liberated and sexually free women will ever be the norm in our society to the point that we'll actually be able to get rid of the term sexually liberated woman because there's no such thing as a sexually liberated man you know they just automatically get that joy so do you think that we'll ever be to that point in society where this just becomes a normal way of for women to exist actually do uh, believe that it will at some point because I do see the world changing and just um, looking at even um, the pandemic causing people to sit down and take notice of what's happening and I feel like the world is ready for uh, women in leadership and I think that being that it is more of us in marketing and leadership roles like the other day i was listening to a podcast about um the founder of bumble which was a dating site that was created by um, a woman and so she based so was the norm for the women to be in control i don't know if you've ever um heard about that dating site and it has things that we like up there in the sense of the dating part it has a part for careers to look for jobs and also has a piece to look for friendship for like to connect with other women you know in a social way and so the thing that was really interesting is that the woman has to make the first move so a guy could say he likes you on the site but it's up to the woman to initiate with a message to him and so I know quite a few people that use that site so just seeing a dating site that is female uh, dominated I think there's hope <laughs> <laughs> for um Especially liberating women to be in charge and to be the norm. I think it's hope. Yes. Okay. That is, that's wonderful to hear because I just don't want like our daughters and my nieces and, you know, younger women that I see coming up to feel like they have to keep themselves stuck in a box. Um, that's not the way that I live my life. And I, I implore and advise everybody to teach and educate young boys that this is a norm for women and it's okay and it's nothing to be judged and that for young teacher young girls too that it is it is the right thing to do to be free do not put yourself in a box because it creates a lot of self-esteem issues in the future i agree and this you know one thing i just want to add is that I think that it's really important to know that sexy is a state of mind. You know, sexy is not just out here being intimate, having sex. Sexy is not the way you dress or the way you look per se, your body shape or size. I just think it's so much more that goes into being sexy, starting with your mindset to the way you speak and the way you treat yourself. So, when we speak about sexual liberation, I think that, you know, we all you know, are sexy in our own way, but it's up to us to make that choice to think so. Yes. I love that you said that sexy, sexy has a lot to do with the mindset and not so much with the physical. I love that. Love, love, yes. love, love, love that. Oh, Sonia, you have been perfect for the Queen X tribe. I have loved this conversation. Every <laughs> bit of it. Yep. Me too, girl. I'm I'm here for it. So <laughs> okay. So for everyone who is listening to the Queen X the Queen X podcast right now, um, go ahead and if you're interested and you want to follow Sonia on social media or you want to tune in for her podcast, let us know where we can find you. Okay, so I will start with my Instagram, and so is X S 
ex.x.x.y.unicorn. So it's really, if you just type in sexy unicorn, it should come up. But they wouldn't let me just put sexy unicorn. Um, but you can also uh, connect with me on my website uh, for my fashion brand, which is Stretch Couture. And that's S-T-R-E-T-C-H-C-O-U-T-U-R-E.com. So stretchcouture.com. And I have information there uh, for the Sexy Sister Circle podcast and uh, information about the sexy unicorn. Yes, and I will be leaving a direct link to her Instagram, to the podcast, and her website. So um, you'll be able to have easy easy access to it. Just go ahead and look in the description bar and you can find it. Um, thank you again, Sonia. I appreciate you for taking time out of your busy schedule to say yes to us and not say no to the Queen X podcast. Yes, no problem. I'm so excited to be there. I just, you know, do want to apologize one more time for the background noise. It's like as soon as we got started, a helicopter wanted to go by or something. But, um, but I'm just so so excited to be a part of your show, and I look forward to your upcoming um, episodes. Thank you so much, Sonia. I appreciate you. Welcome to the Royal Tribe, girl. We in here. <laughs> What did I tell you? Sit back and enjoy. So I really do hope that you guys are grasping and understanding the importance of understanding our sexuality, feminine sexuality, as well as being dual and understanding and expressing our feminine sensuality. There is a difference between the two. And hopefully on this journey of um, listening to more women describe their sexual experiences and sensual experiences with getting comfortable and confident with their bodies, that you will just gain some clarity and understanding um, of your own insecurities, your own confidence, your own sexuality, your own sensuality. Like, don't be afraid to try new things and discover new things. We talked about that in um, the previous episode with Nisi, as well as in this episode with Sonia. So hope that you guys are listening and paying attention. So I wanted to drop a gem for you guys. If you are looking for another resource outside of just listening to the Queen X podcast, you want to um, explore another resource for understanding your feminine energy, the divine goddess within you. I have been emailing um, once a week on Sunday nights, I email everyone on my Royal Tribe list for the newsletter. Um, You guys all get an email that has seven different journal prompts. You know that I have my own Ash Free Thoughts journal. You can catch it on Amazon. There is a link in the description bar. Now we're going to combine the two. I have officially released the I Am Woman Reflection Journal. This is a hundred page journal that is full of journal prompts. We have everything from a divine writing page where you discuss um, poems or articles or books that you are reading or have read about sexual freedom, childbirth, feminism, anything that has to do with your womanhood. There's also a femininity check-in which um, has two sections one section where I ask a question and a box where you can answer the question the second um, section is a where I just ask you to list out certain traits qualities characteristics things like that there are a couple pages in there where I just express and explain things to you like um, conflict and anger sensuality versus sexuality vulnerability Uh, different things like that. There's a page that is all about nature. So I ask you multiple, multiple times throughout this reflection journal to spend time in nature because spending time in nature is like the easiest and most simple way for you to get in touch with your divine feminine goddess. There's word association in here. There's a divine listens page where you can write out Um, music or playlist or sounds that you're listening to that resonate with your divine feminine energy because we want to utilize all of our senses. 
Um, what else do I have in here? There's a lot of blank pages in here also because it is a journal. So I want you to have a, as much space as you possibly need to write out things that are based on what you're just feeling on your own, um, whether it be things that um, resonate with you in the journal in the actual reflection journal that you need more space to write things out or if it's you're utilizing this um, reflection journal to do the journal prompts that I send in emails. There are divine exercises of the day. Um, I mean, there's just so much. And like I said, it's a hundred pages. This journal is on Amazon for $25. If you have Amazon Prime, it is free shipping and you get it within two days. $25 for you to journey through your divine feminine journey. Um, I also left you because I do love you. I left you five divine affirmations in the back of the journal. Guys, my original journal, Ash Free Thoughts, I was super ecstatic and super proud of that journal because I created it. It was my baby. I got it out. But this I Am Woman Reflection Journal is, I can't even describe, like I literally do feel like I just gave birth. This is the most beautiful thing that I have ever created and like physically made and put out because every single one of these pages came from my mind, from my soul, from my ancestors, from my journey, and I'm gifting it to you. I mean, I'm gifting it to you for $25, but nonetheless, I'm gifting it to you and we're on this journey together. And this journey, this journal is so, so, so important. I have one of these journals myself, obviously, but I literally took some of these exercises and these prompts from journal entries that I've made over the last two or three years, just trying to get to know and understand myself. Before I knew that I was trying to get to know the divine goddess within me, I was utilizing journals and utilizing some of these exercises in here just to try to get to know self. It wasn't maybe until two years later that I realized that self is the divine feminine within me that I was locking up and I was afraid of and I was too scared to let her out because I didn't understand what that power was, how to utilize that power or anything of that nature. So just wanted to make sure that you guys know I Am Woman Reflection Journal is out now. Can you guys hear Mello in the background just drinking his life away? But the I Am Woman Reflection Journal out now, $25 on Amazon. Please go and grab this. If you know someone that this would be great for, purchase it as a gift. We have Small Business, Small Business Saturday coming up, Black Friday coming up, Cyber Monday coming up, um, the holidays right around the corner, New Year's. If you are looking to do something to upgrade your life, to tap into yourself, to be more intentional, to be more aware. The I Am Woman Reflection Journal is exactly what you need. So speaking of supporting black businesses and entrepreneurs, y'all know I will be back in town to Wichita, Kansas um, for the week of maybe not the whole week now since I'm back on the truck with the Ross, but I will be back for the Thanksgiving holiday, um, Indigenous Peoples Day, excuse me. And we have a Bringing It Black Small Business Saturday. Me, Danielle, Felicia, we are, the three of us together are Bringing It Black and we are doing a Small Business Saturday event. This is gonna be at the center. Um, it is November 28th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And I expect to see as many people that are healthy and feel safe and secure to come out to come out and support these black businesses these entrepreneurs we have so many entrepreneurs that are going to be in the house let me just run down a list of who you can expect to see when you do come and attend um, this small business Saturday. There's a lot of entrepreneurs that are going to be coming from out of town which is something that we weren't expecting but we're super super excited about. Okay, so just to let you guys know, we have Shea by Dolce that's going to be in the building, 12th Day Shirt Company, um, Hustle and Art has paid for at least two different artists 
to be in the building providing art for us. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Annie Allure, which is a cosmetics company out of Kansas City. We have Ken's Creations. We have Kiana Jennings with Pretty Waste that's going to be in the building. I cannot wait to see what she has in store. Miss Kiki Green bringing Sadiddy Situations. Oh, clothing and accessories. I cannot wait for this. So that's just a little sneak peek as some of the brands that are going to be there. Um, we have plenty, plenty more brands that are going to be in the building for Small Business Saturday. But do not forget, this is totally free to the public. But I do want to let you guys know, because of COVID and all the shit that's going on with that, bring your face mask. If you don't have a face mask, you're not going to get in. There's not going to be any arguing, no debating about it. No face mask. We can't let you in. It's a safety protocol. We just want to make sure that everybody is going to be safe. There will be stations where we will be doing sanitization. There will also be, um, we will be enforcing the staying six feet apart. Um, if you are with a group of people and you guys come, you and your family come, you guys can be at a table together shopping. But if you are wanting to move on to the next table, give people time, you know, to shop um, with said vendors before you just bombard on them. The tables are, are going to be exactly six feet six foot tables so just keep your distance y'all you know what the fuck going on out here that pretty much wraps it up for the queen x podcast this week if you guys um want to be a part of the weekly journal prompts that do go out join the royal tribe newsletter um if you want to be one of the very first people to know when i have new products that are coming out if you want to be one of the very first people to know when i have new collaborations coming out um join the royal tribe facebook group there are links to everything in the description where you are listening to this podcast. This has been so much fun. I really enjoy doing this podcast. It's going to be a little bit different with me being on the road with the Roz because things are a lot louder when I'm on the semi truck. So we're going to see how this goes, but I appreciate you guys rocking with me. Um, on this journey. You can definitely follow me on Instagram at QueenXPod if you want to follow along on my journey while I'm on the truck with him. I will be on the truck with him for the remainder of the year and probably the the first half of next year also, but we'll see how it goes. I want to give a special shout out to Brooke Taylor from Naughty Nights Boutique for sponsoring yet another Queen X podcast episode. We are so grateful to you. I also want to say thank you for hooking me up with that pink pussycat. Okay, um, more details on that coming soon. I might let the Ross tell you all about that. Ah. Anyways, I'm gonna holler at you guys later. Thank you so much for enjoying this episode. Like this episode. Leave us a review if you enjoyed this episode. Share it with a friend and I will holler at you next time. Peace.